Chapter Twenty Two of Overruled by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two: A Harvest. Of all the people who were plunged into the depths of distress by Ralph Bramlett's fall, no one was more surprised and dismayed than the young man himself. That night during which he sat bolt upright in his chair with the consciousness upon him that his door was locked and that for the first time in his life he could not turn the lock at will was one that aged him visibly he was not so much surprised that the deed had been done as that he had been discovered the deed had been simple enough merely the signing of the firm name as he had done under orders hundreds of times to do it without orders had seemed so easy and so reasonable it was not stealing why should one have such an ugly thought in connection with it above all that other uglier word forgery should not be applied to it of course he meant to replace the money he had used only small sums for convenience and meant at the earliest opportunity to make all right was he to blame that the opportunity had never come was he to blame because the liquor business had not been so lucrative as he had supposed in truth the business had been misrepresented to him had he not been allowed to count on the support of certain men who instead of appreciating their privileges had been angry because a saloon had been opened in their neighborhood and given all their custom elsewhere moreover there had been an appalling number of bad debts and a few ugly accidents that took money then there had been those miserable debts with which he started and others that he had been foolish enough to contract on the strength of his prospects it had all been a wretched business from beginning to end his days and nights for weeks past had been haunted with the troubles that were thickening about him yet in his gloomiest hours he had not for a moment thought of locks and keys and a convict's dress he shuddered at the last idea and buried his face deeper in his hands as if to shut out the picture it had all come upon him so suddenly that hypocrite of a junior partner with his benevolent desires to start the younger man in a lucrative business pretending that he did not care anything about the thousand dollars advanced and he kept so close an eye on the expenditures as to trammel matters from the first and wanted the surplus paid back to him before the new year had fairly opened then what business had he to come mousing among the books and examining papers in the bookkeeper's private desk he was a contemptible hypocrite and nothing else and the young man who was at that moment under arrest as a forger of the firm name a forger not once nor twice but at least half a dozen times felt a certain sense of relief in applying the name hypocrite to one of the members of the firm at the time it did not even occur to him that the same word was already in hundreds of mouths applied to himself but there came a harder night to ralph bramlett than that it was after the heavy bail which mrs kenyon had been sure he could not secure had been promptly guaranteed by the brothers maxwell and he was allowed to walk the streets again following hard upon these first moments of relief came a summons to the home of his childhood his father 
from whom it had been found impossible to keep the dread news, had fallen under it as though it had been a blow. Ralph remembered for years afterwards, with a vividness that made every breath a pain, the horror of those hours during which he knelt, an abject, shrinking thing, beside his father's dying bed, shrinking from the curious eyes of physician and nurse, turning even from the pitying gaze of his sister Hannah, to whom he had not spoken for months, not since he had angrily accused her of disgracing the family, shrinking most of all perhaps from the stricken face of his mother, yet waiting hungrily for some word from his father. They had been afraid that he had come too late for that. The painful restlessness of the day, during which every effort was being made to hasten the tardy hands of justice and release the prisoner, had been followed by a night of stupor, from which the attending physician believed the patient would not rally. Yet Dr. Maxwell, who had been called in counsel, moved around to the wretched young man's side just after the doctor had expressed this belief, and murmured low, Do not leave the bedside for a moment. I am confident that he will rally and ask for you, as they tell me he did at intervals during the entire day. They waited in that most miserable of all waitings, while a life slowly ebbed away, feeling that there was nothing to be done. For nearly an hour no one spoke. Mrs. Bramlett sat close to her husband, holding his work-worn and wrinkled hand in hers. From time to time she caressed it tenderly, as she might have done a little child's. Then, bending low, she would murmur fond, meaningless words in the dulled ears. Mrs. Bramlett had been in feeble health for years, and the husband had been the one to watch her comings and goings, and save her steps where he could she had thought that she would be the one to lie some day breathing her life away attended lovingly by the husband of her youth but it had come to pass as it so often does that the stronger one had failed suddenly and become the invalid she knew poor mother that the man who lay dying beside her had made his only son his idol and when the idol disappointed him the old man's strength gave way during all this waiting time the mother did not so much as glance toward that kneeling figure at the foot of the bed, but it was because the mother heart was strong within her, and she knew instinctively that he could not bear to meet her eyes. As for Hannah, she kept her post immovably just at the bed's head, within sight of her father's face, yet within the shadow of the headboard. Her time had not come for tears, she had not shed one since she heard of Ralph's disgrace. She had hovered about her father, watchful of each murmured word or sign of need, ministered to him ceaselessly, and sought not so much as a word or glance of recognition in return. All during that wretched day, while the doctor came and went, and shook his head more gravely at each coming, and the neighbors whispered in the kitchen, and one or two privileged ones tiptoed about the house doing needful things, Jack Taylor had appeared from time to time with messages for Miss Hannah. Mr. Maxwell had sent him to say that there had been an unexpected delay in finding just the right man, but they were still hopeful. Or, Mr. Maxwell sent word that all was in shape now, and they hoped for a speedy hearing. Or later, 
mr maxwell feared it could not be accomplished before evening and then later still breathless with the haste he had made stumbling past the curious neighbors who would have asked questions eager silent he made his way to hannah and whispered that dr maxwell and mr bramlett were coming would be there in ten minutes and then before she had had time to think what she should say to her brother or whether she would ask her mother to go out and meet him he had slipped past her and knelt at the foot of the bed and covered his ghastly face with the bedclothes and then they had waited suddenly there was a movement on the part of the dying man he flung his disengaged arm out one side and passed his hand along the bedclothes as if in search of someone where is he he asked distinctly where is my boy why doesn't he come it was hannah who bent over him her voice clear and steady he has come father he is here at the same moment ralph arose and aided by dr maxwell staggered forward dropping on his knees again close to his father's side his mother pushed back her chair to make room for him and hannah guided the groping hand to his head it rested there tenderly as it had in the boy's childhood and the father's voice was quite distinct as he said i cannot see you my boy my sight is gone but i know it is you my hand would recognize your head among a thousand my little boys oh ralph i remember all about it now i haven't been the father to you that i ought or it could never have happened i take blame to myself i will tell god so but oh my boy my boy speak to him yourself and ask him to forgive you don't you know how merciful he is like as a father pitieth his children that gives me such comfort for i have only pity for you in my heart begin again my boy begin again it isn't too late god will forgive you and bless you i must see you again ralph my earthly sight is gone but your father mustn't miss seeing you in heaven promise me ralph that you will be there the silence that fell while that answer was waited for was terrible speak to him it was hannah's voice that broke in upon it stern commanding yet with an undertone of such beseeching agony that it seemed as though a stone must have responded the wretched young man raised his face for a single moment from his trembling hands a face so utterly charged with woe that his worst enemy must have pitied him and said two words oh god yes said the dying man with solemn emphasis that is it ralph never mind me speak to god oh god hear my boy he cries to thee for the sake of thy son who died for him hear my boy pray ralph pray he pray never before had the awful mockery of his prayers stuck on this man's soul he could not have uttered a sentence had his life been at stake but he clutched at the hand of the man who stood beside him and groaned out one word pray and dr maxwell dropping on his knees beside the wretched son said 
into thy hands our father we commend his spirit asking thee for christ's sake to hear his last prayer and then a great wailing cry arose from the poor daughter for she knew that her father's voice would be heard no more and there came to her such a homesick longing to have only one word for him for her very self as she had not known her heart could feel somebody thought of her and led her tenderly away and somebody else put a pitiful arm about that poor old widow and supported her while she tottered out as for the son dr maxwell kept a firm hand upon his arm and did not release him until the doors of his old room closed after him then he said with a long-drawn sigh i will stand guard but i think that such misery as his must be better borne alone and in truth he almost needed guarding for it seemed to him at times that he must lose his reason such an abyss of hopeless despair yawned before him as only sin can make he had loved his father more even than he had himself realized a selfish love it had been without doubt all the emotions of his life thus far had been painfully mixed with self but always there had been in the mind of the young man a lingering desire to do something great for his father and mother to make their lives easier the burdens incident to straitened means had pressed heavily upon him because of them there had been times when he had hated the farm old family homestead though it was because it seemed to him the synonym for poverty and worry in his boyish days his dreams of being a great lawyer had been always intermingled with dreams of the state of luxury in which he would establish his parents in later years his decision to take the position of bookkeeper in a distillery though hurriedly made and with motives uppermost that made him blush to remember had yet this undertone of comfort that the large salary would enable him to help his father it is true he had done nothing of the kind instead he had almost immediately plunged into debt he had always assured himself that this was his wife's fault and yet with that singular sense of double consciousness that had gone about with him despite his attempts at stifling it he had known all the while that the lavish expenditure connected with his marriage and his establishing a home had been born and fostered by his desire to show people that he was a prosperous man despite the fact that marjorie edmonds had preferred some one else when months before he had awakened to the discovery that he was steadily running behind in his accounts that his style of living was set on a scale that it would not be possible for him to continue unless his income was materially increased and the rose-coloured future pictured by the junior partner in the distillery had been pointed out to him it was made especially attractive by the thought of what it would enable him to do for his father and mother his father would no doubt feel bitterly prejudiced against the business that was to be expected in so old a man but his prejudices would grow less bitter from the day that the mortgage on the old farm was paid and the land every foot of which was dear to his father's heart secured beyond question to the family name for ever then the debt once disposed of he dreamed of the improvements he would make still for the family benefit 
pipes should be laid from the grand old spring and the water brought not only to the house but to his mother's room the new stable on which his father's heart was set so long ago should be built with the longed-for modern improvements for the comfort of horses and his mother should have a summer kitchen with wire gauze windows and ventilating flues and the most modern of ranges and a kitchen cabinet and every other device that could be found for making the daily routine of labor easy mother had had to do without such things all her life but she should have them at last these were only dreams alas for the realities not a penny had he been able to pay towards cancelling that mortgage not a cent of the money advanced to him after the time when he pretended to be supporting himself had been returned instead of making the lives of father and mother easier he had deepened their anxieties in a hundred ways he had come to them with complaints of his sister and criticisms concerning her which however much deserved had accomplished nothing save to make their lives harder very plain words had been spoken to him by his wife she had not hesitated to tell him that his last business venture which he assured himself had really been made for their sakes was killing his father that if he died as he would before very long his son would be as surely his murderer as though he had taken a knife and stabbed him the words had pierced the son's heart when they were spoken and had sent him out as he bitterly told himself to his ruin if it had not been for his wife's words up to the very moment of the exposure that had shut him for a single horrible night within prison walls ralph bramlett had steadily shielded himself and accused others End of chapter twenty two